I'm particularly a real believer in not keeping my mouth shut. I open my mouth a lot, and when I see something wrong, I, I do t- to my own detriment sometimes, you know, and that's, that's what the, the, the passengers of Flight 93 did. They knew they were going to die. Welcome to The Yarn, a School Library Journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. Today, we continue our Unraveler series with author Nora Baskin. I sat down with Nora last November in Atlanta during NCTE's annual conference. Unfortunately, the recording from the interview got deleted. So Nora had to sit down with my co-host, Travis Yonker, to re-record the interview at NerdCamp in July. Thanks for being flexible, Nora. In this episode, Nora talks about her middle grade novel, 910, a September 11th story. She talks about how a movie inspired her to write the book, the impact 9-11 has had on many teachers across the country, and what her hope is for the book. Take it away, Nora. I'm Nora Raleigh-Baskin, and I'm happy to be here talking about my middle grade novel, 910, A September 11th Story. Nine Ten is a book about the day before 9-11, hence the title. And because I was acutely aware that 9-11 didn't just happen in New York City or Pennsylvania or Washington, but actually affected the entire country, I made sure to set the book in California, Columbus, Ohio, Shanksville, Pennsylvania, and New York City. So I have four characters. Um, The boy in Brooklyn is African-American. The girl in Columbus, Ohio is Muslim. The girl in California is Jewish. And the boy in Shanksville is is a, a white boy from Shanksville, Pennsylvania. I was watching a movie called Bobby, Amelia Estevez movie. It's an all-star cast, and it's about the assassination of Bobby Kennedy. But it's not about the assassination of Bobby Kennedy, just like my book is not about 9-11. It's about how the world changed on that day. So I I was watching the movie, and it has several characters, not four, like my book, because I knew I was writing you know, for young readers, and um, four was enough to juggle. In the movie, there's several, and each one of the characters represents or deals with something going on in that period of time, and then they all end up in the hotel in 1968 when Bobby Kennedy is assassinated, and we know all their lives are going to change. And I watched the movie, and I, I was sobbing, and I was crying, and I'm not crying because... Bobby Kennedy was shot because he's not a character. You don't get to know him. He's not in the book. But I'm crying because I know how the world changed that day. I know that there were three major assassinations when I was a child. There was MLK, JFK, and Bobby. And that the world changed. And, um, And then I realized that for my readers, 
the world changed on 9-11, and they don't know what was before. They don't know what the world was like before. So I, I was just challenged. Could I take what I saw visually in a film and render it in a literary form? I knew that would be a really hard challenge. And um, I picked 9-11 as the event because I lived through it and because I know how it changed my life. And I knew that children who were going to be my readers weren't even born yet. So it really came from watching a movie, which is kind of neat because as a writer, you just never know what will inspire you or intrigue you or challenge you. It was like a puzzle. The very first thing I wrote on the project was, was the characters. I, I knew I wanted to try and capture as, as much of the diversity in our country as I could in four characters. Like, I, I, I could have had 12 characters, or could have eight characters, but I wanted to show, certainly I wanted to show what happened to the Muslim community. I wanted to, to talk about people that were almost at the Twin Towers or the Pentagon but didn't go to work that day. Not because I want to say, oh, shoot, we did, you know, they didn't get killed, but how amazing it is that we are alive every day. That's how we felt after that. It was like so tragic and so sad. And there were so many stories of people who just missed the subway, had a fight with their husband, set the alarm clock for the wrong time. That that was one of the things I wanted to talk about, and I knew I needed a character to represent that. I, you can't write a book about 9-11 and not re talk about the first responders. So I knew I needed a character to represent that. And then the plane that went down in Shanksville was so enormously important because it was the middle of nowhere. It's so remote. And when that plane went down, Flight 93, in their town, they felt like the world was coming to an end. And in fact, both the principal in 2001, and the principal now said the same thing. They, they said, if it could happen here, it could happen anywhere. When I go to speak to teachers, they all start crying. And they're, some of them are afraid to talk about it because they're afraid of how much they're gonna start crying. And I learned, actually I learned at nerd camp here last year that teachers had a very unique experience on 9-11 that I feel has not been talked about. And I've racked my brain, is there any other profession in the United States where people were so traumatized by what happened because they could not pick up the phone, they couldn't leave their classroom, they couldn't go home and find their children, find their parents. They had to stay in class and take care of someone else's children, which teachers have called when I've spoken to them, my children. I had to take care of my children. And sometimes that meant sitting in a classroom all day long and lying to these kids and pretending everything was okay, even though they heard in the teacher's lounge that, that we were under attack and that maybe my loved one was in a plane 
or maybe, you know, they were in New York, or it didn't even matter. It was like, I need to get home to my family, but they couldn't. So at nerd camp last year, when I came here with this book, teachers were coming up to me and telling their stories. And I was, I was really blown away. I'll tell you the truth. I was humbled and ashamed that I hadn't gone to my kids' teachers and said, thank you for taking care of my kids while I was hugging my friends and on the phone I called my sister. I was free. Um, and they were stuck in school. And they didn't know if they were under attack. You know, so uh, I, was, I, I can't believe that I didn't recognize the teachers on that day. Can you think of another profession I'm, I'm serious, like maybe a surgeon in an operating room. But other than that, the whole world stopped, and everybody went and hugged their loved ones or found out where they were. Um, and, it, you know, obviously some had horrible answers to that. But teachers, um, and, and the most, it's interesting, when I started collecting some of these stories, a lot of them came from first-year teachers. And I don't think that's because of, first-year teachers had more experiences, but I think it was really traumatic for a first-year teacher to have to deal with this. So, um, well, you learn a lot when you write a book. You don't know what you're going to learn and how, how you're going to be humbled by it. My hope for the book, that is, if a teacher chooses to use it in their classroom, and that would obviously be wonderful, um, I hope that they use it to inspire conversation and questioning and listen to their students who want more information, and then they can go seek it out, and the children that aren't ready to hear more will still learn that this event happened. They'll learn that the world changed that day, but maybe they're not ready for the real graphic or frightening details about that day. So my hope is that the, when the book gets used or if it gets used or if kids have that conversation, they talk about bigotry and racism and, and love and hate and there's a character in the book that says, you know, courage is contagious. And I think courage is contagious. Certainly, hate is contagious. So let's counter some of that. That would, be, that would definitely be my hope for the book. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Yarn. Thank you, Philip Stead, for creating our theme song. Today's episode was edited by me and mixed by my pal, Travis Yonker. In addition to being a wonderful school librarian, Travis doubles as an expert on all things Northern Michigan. Additional music for this episode comes from Circus Marcus via the Free Music Archive. If you have an idea for an episode or season of The Yarn, send us an email, theyarnpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Colby Sharp. Thanks for listening. You are wonderful. Thanks. Um, Colby said you were much nicer than he is. <laughs> I'm much nicer than he is? Oh, jeez. I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm.